0: please give an enormous New Day welcome to Andy McCulloch. Morning, New Day, all right? Looking lovely this morning. Turn to someone near you and go, looking lovely this morning. Smelling lovely this morning. Turn to someone else. Say, smelling lovely, but only if you're telling the truth. A couple of shout-outs. Little shout-out to my beautiful home church, Reading Family Church. Asked them them to sit down the front because I said I was going to do a stage dive but the stewards told me I can't, and I've just seen how far away it is, and I'm like, no, man, you don't want death live on stage, do you? That wouldn't be good. Um, also, just to say morning to the guys in the venue. I know the venue's serving lots of people, but one of the groups of people the venue's serving is people with a diagnosis of autism. I care a lot about that. Two of my boys have got a diagnosis of autism. So if you're in the venue, and if you've got A diagnosis of autism, loud and proud, give a little shout, we'll see if we can hear you from the big top. You guys are special, precious, and we love you, eh? Uh, We've been here this week, uh, a bunch of guys from the Unreached Network uh, over in the depot. If you haven't come and found us yet, then come and find us. Unreached Network is something that I lead, that helps churches and helps people think about mission around the world. So on our blog, on our site, on our YouTube channel, you'll find content stories from all over the world, uh, helping you think about the fact that England is quite a small island and the world is really big and there's a lot of people that need to hear about Jesus and that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, But also just a little plug, since I've got the microphone, for the unreached internship, which is if you've got a year out coming up, you're finishing school, you're finishing college after university and you're you're like, I don't know what to do. It's a year out where you can serve in your church and get training, but it's particularly focused on cross-cultural mission. So you could go do a placement in another country and loads of different places. And the whole thing is, how do I get the skills to be able to talk about Jesus to people from a very different background from me? So if that interests you, Check out our stuff on Insta or online. Come and find us in the depot this afternoon. Is that all right? Great. couple of um, we're going to be speaking about mission today, in case you haven't guessed a couple of individual words of knowledge that I felt the Holy Spirit give me, which, for most of you will mean nothing, but for a few people in the room, could be really, really important. Uh, I saw that in my spirit there's someone here today, you've got really long hair, longer than your bum, I don't know if it's real or fake, I don't really care, but you've got a heart for cross-cultural mission and I just want you to know today that the Lord is speaking to you specifically about that calling in your heart. There's someone else here today, you're 46 years old. So you're not a young person, right? You've always had a heart for cross-cultural mission, but it's never happened. And you've been asking God, have I missed my chance? I feel God wants to say to you today, no, your chance is coming, your moment is coming. There's a third person, there's someone here today, whoever you are, you've got little tattoos just here of butterflies or birds, or butterflies and birds. You've had a real heart of compassion to serve poor and broken people. God just wants to tell you today, that's a real thing, it's from him. He's gonna open incredible doors for you to do that. And finally, there's someone here today, yesterday you got healed in your knees and you've got a heart to church plant in the future. And I feel God just wants to get your attention and say, yeah, I've healed you but also I want to send you to church plant in the future. Is that okay? For four people, that'll be important. So what I'm going to do, we're going to look at a verse from the Bible uh, this morning. One verse, three characters in that verse. That's what we're going to look at. But just before that, I just wanted to share a couple of stories uh, from the Muslim world. God is doing incredible things here in New Day, but there are many places in the world where God is doing incredible things and um, particularly in the Islamic world. There are extraordinary things happening today. You know, more Muslims have come to faith in Jesus in the last 25 years than in the whole previous 1,400 years of the history of Islam. There are, and I, I just wanna, I always like to share a couple of stories of just things that we've seen. These are people that we know, people that we've met, these are real stories from real friends of ours. The first is this, uh, we, we had, a few of us had the privilege last year of going to uh, a very unreached city in an Islamic nation in Central Asia. And there, we met a friend of a friend of a friend who introduced us to a lady in her 70s called Ismira. So we went and met this woman in her flat and she gave us food and she, Uh, told us stories of what God had done in her life. She's 70 years old. She had come to faith in Jesus 40 years ago on her own. Someone had given her a Bible. She'd read the Bible from an Islamic background and just believed everything that it said and given her life to Jesus, all on her own. She said for, for 40 years, she's had no... Contact with other Christians. She's never been in a church. She's never had anyone teach her anything from outside. She didn't have internet. She said, all I've done is I read my Bible and then I do what it says. And that's how I've lived for 40 years. And, and she said, for example, the Bible says you should go around from village to village and find people and talk to them and tell them about Jesus and heal the sick and raise the dead. So that's what I've been doing for 40 years. And she... She said, often I'll go to a village and I'll talk to some people and I'll heal the sick and I'll raise the dead and then I'll leave them a few Bibles and I'll go back a, a, a couple of months later and there'll be 40 believers, 50 believers in that village. She said, that's just what I do, okay? And she told us story after story and the best story she told us, I want to share with you. So this is, I heard it from Ismira and I'm sharing it with you guys, okay? And she said, one day she went to a village that she'd never been to before, and when she came into the village, uh, some women from the village came out and met her and said, we've heard that you pray for sick people, will you please come and pray for our young man? She said, what's wrong with your young man? They said, he he had a stroke two years ago, he's been paralysed for two years, lying in bed, he can't move. And even worse, his tongue is paralyzed, so he can't talk. So, for two years, he can't move and he can't talk. Will you pray for him? She said, Of course, I will. She said, I walked into the room, I saw the young man, I said, Lord Jesus, please do something amazing here, amen. And I walked out. And the ladies were like, We thought it was going to be a bit more mumbo jumbo and smells, and you know, is that it? She's like, That's it, I've prayed. Okay, let's see, God's gonna do something amazing. She said, she went back to that village a month later and all these ladies came running out and said, come and meet the young man that you healed. Come and meet the young man that you healed. And she said, okay. So she sat down with this young man and they drank tea and she said, young man, tell me your story. What happened to you? And he said, auntie, this is my story. I was lying in my bed, I couldn't move, I couldn't talk. You walked into my room. You said, Lord Jesus, do something amazing here. And then you walked out of the door. Straight away, through that same door, came two men dressed in white who I had never seen before. And they were kind of shiny. And he said, they walked into the room and one sat at the head of my bed and one sat at the foot of my bed and they started to have an argument with each other about me. And he said, the one at the head of my bed was saying, God has decreed that you should be healed and serve him. But the one at the foot of my bed was saying, no, you're a sinner and you deserve to die. And he said, they were having an argument about me. And I was lying there thinking, I quite like what he's saying. I'm not so sure about what he's saying down there. And then he said, the, the, the guy in white, who was kind of shiny, sitting at the head of my bed, got up and said in an authoritative voice, the Lord has decreed that you should heal, be healed and serve him. And walked out of the room in a bit of a strop. So he said, the one at the foot of my bed also got up and said, yeah, we'll see about that. And also walked out of the room in a bit of a strop. He said, at that moment, I felt a tingling in my body. And I realised I needed a wee. So I jumped out of bed and went to the bathroom to do a wee. And he said, as I was in there, my family heard me and they said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing a wee. And they said, you can talk as well. You've been healed. And then, so she said, she, 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 said, she said to me, she's quite a scary lady, right? She, she looked me in the eye. She said, so I sat him down and I said, okay, young man, God has healed you because he wants you to serve him. Here's a Bible. I want you every day to pray, to read your Bible, and to tell people what God has done for you. And he said, yes, auntie. Okay. And she said for the next year, every month or so, she would go visit and sit down with him and say, young man, are you praying? Yes, auntie. Are you reading your Bible? Yes, auntie. Are you telling people what God has done for you? Yes, auntie. Good. Carry on. Keep going. And then she said after about a year, she went and visited. And she saw the young man not looking good. And lying uh, on the sofa, watching TV and eating snacks. Snacks. And she said, young man, you don't look good. Have you been praying? No, auntie. Have you been reading your Bible? No, auntie. Have you been telling people what God has done for you? No, auntie. She said, well, from this day on, I'm not responsible for what will happen in your life. And she said, I walked out of the room, and a month later, I heard that he was dead. That's the story. She told me. I believe her. I just thought I'd pass it on to you. Our God is wonderful, right? He's big, he's extraordinary, he's powerful. He's full of mercy and power. We're going to look today at one verse from the scripture. And um, it's John chapter 1 and verse 48. This is the verse. Jesus is speaking to Nathanael. And he says to Nathanael, Before Philip called you, while you were still under the fig tree I saw you that's the word of God let's pray Lord come and teach us from your glory come and reach us let this be a story in which Jesus features Lord you're the creator and we're the creatures Lord come unlock us. Uh, like a plumber with a toilet, come unblock us. Take us in your arms and rock us. Just like lightning, come Lord, shock us. Lord, come unlock us. Death and demons will try and stop us. Enemies will maybe block us. But you're the unlocker and you've got the keys, please. Come unlock us. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So, in this verse, there are three characters. You've got Nathaniel, the seeker. You've got Philip, the sharer. And you've got Jesus, the saviour. And first, we're going to look at Nathaniel, the seeker. Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree. And then Philip came and said, come and meet Jesus. So Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree. What does does that mean? What's John trying to tell us? Well, all across the world, go to any culture, look at any religion, fig trees are important. They're significant. They're spiritual. Wherever you go in the world. Uh, Why is that? Well, when Adam and Eve sinned, and were in the garden and their eyes were opened and they realised that they were naked and they felt ashamed, what did they do? They found a fig tree in the garden and they got the leaves to cover them. Here's a photo of how big fig tree leaves are. I know some of you guys are going, I'd need some big leaves to cover me, right? There's some big fig tree leaves. And that's when we first made friends with the fig tree. And ever since then, all over the world, all people, all communities, all religions, have kind of honoured, remembered, found the fig tree to be sacred somehow, because it was in the garden, it was in Eden, and so it reminds us of the home that we lost. You know, I'm from Cyprus, I was born and grew up in Cyprus, after I left, occasionally I have to eat kebabs from Cyprus, when I say occasionally, most days. They remind me of home, just to say I like kebabs and also I think this week I'm definitely the fattest preacher I'm representing. We need to be diverse, we need to include all kinds of body shapes here. And so kebabs remind me of home and for whatever reason all all the cultures of the world have found something about the fig tree that reminds us of the home that we lost. In Eden, Except maybe England. In England we have fig rolls and figgy pudding. That's about it, right? But in ancient Egypt, one of the goddesses called Hathor was basically fig tree woman. And she was the goddess who gave life and fruitfulness to all people. And ancient Egyptians, when they made coffins to put their mummies in, they made them out of fig tree wood because they believed that the fig tree wood would carry them to paradise because it's a special tree. Buddha, when Buddha got his revelation, his enlightenment, he was sitting under a banyan tree. A banyan tree is a species of fig tree. And so to this day, uh, fig trees are special, sacred to Buddhists. They plant them in their temples. Uh, Here's a picture of a temple in Cambodia with fig tree growing in it. And then, traditionally in many Asian cultures, Muslim, Jewish, even Hindu, you would get married traditionally underneath a fig tree because it's a sign of protection and fruitfulness. In the Quran, there's a chapter called The Fig. Muhammad loved the fig tree. Muslims tie special cloths onto fig trees as a way of praying or offering wishes. Many Bedouin tribes settle their disagreements in the shade of a fig tree. Kikuyu women in Kenya, if they want to get pregnant... They smear themselves with the sap of a fig tree. Can't say I've ever tried it. Don't know if it works. And Jews, for the same reason, would sit and read their scriptures in the shade of a fig tree. Now, John knew all this. John lived in a very multicultural world in first century Palestine. He would have met Buddhists. He would have met people from India and from Africa. And so when John says, you were sitting under the fig tree, what he's saying is, you were searching you were asking questions about the meaning of life. You were meditating and wondering, "What am I here for? What is life all about? Is there more to life than this? Is there life after death?" Nathaniel sitting under, a pic- under the fig tree is a picture of anyone from any religion, our brothers and sisters from across the world, who are seeking God, seeking truth, looking for enlightenment or healing or answers. Nathaniel is anyone who's Googled, "What's life all about? Why am I here?" Anyone who's prayed. Nathaniel is Freddie Mercury, who said in his last album, does anybody know what we're living for? Nathaniel is Billie Eilish in her new song, the Barbie song, What Was I Made For? She's got a little verse, think I forgot how to be happy. Something I'm not, but something I can be. Something I wait for, something I'm made for. Billie Eilish is sitting under the fig tree asking questions. Searching, seeking, wondering. Or Dave, Santan Dave, South London Dave. Any Dave fans in the house? There we go. In Heart Attack, he's got this little painful lyric in Heart Attack, hasn't he? Life's so hard in the time that we're in. We're fighting the world and we're fighting within. Somali dad ran away from a war, now his son's in a war. That's the cycle we're in. He's talking about the pain and the mess. In life, he's going, what's the answer? What's the reason? Most of his songs are about pretty girls or wanting to see starlight, but that one's meaningful, right? Or Governor B. Any Governor B fans in the house? Governor B's got this lyric, and I've learned that people relate to pain. Guess if he wants to know they're not alone in the rain, and I get that. We're all praying for a jetpack so we can step back and fly over these setbacks, yeah? Talking about pain, talking about longing, desire. Or Loyal Karner, any Loyal fans in the house? There we go. Polyfiller, beautiful track. This lyric, when I was younger, yo, I wanted to be famous. Now that I'm older, yo, I wish that I was nameless. The world's aimless, no one gives up. Times of the essence, I was running out of luck, getting stuck for a couple bucks, trying to bust a nut, filling up my plate, but wasn't filling up your cup. They even killed the Wolverine. That was the only father figure that I've seen, yeah? I was lost, trying to find something to believe, all them aches and them pain, yeah, and crying on my knees. He's sitting under the fig tree. He's asking about the meaning of the life. He's talking about his pain. He's saying, is there a God? And so Nathaniel, the seeker, sitting under the fig tree, is anyone who is seeking, okay? Second character in our verse. Philip, the sharer. Philip meets Jesus. The first thing he does when he meets Jesus is he goes, he's amazing, who can I tell? And he finds Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree. And he says, come and see. We found him we found the answer. You're meditating, you're praying, you're wondering. we found the answer. Come and see. That's all he does. He doesn't have to argue with Nathaniel. He doesn't, he doesn't try and beat him over the head with a Bible. He doesn't force him. He doesn't disrespect him. He doesn't say, your fig tree is a load of rubbish. Leave that behind. He doesn't try and disprove it. He says, I can see your heart is open. You're searching we found him. Come and see. Philip is a sharer. He finds the good news and he wants to share it with other people. Philip is persuaded that Jesus is good news, even for Nathaniel. He doesn't go, I found Jesus. I'm going to be a Christian. You've got your fig tree, and I respect that. You've got your truth, I've got my truth. You live your best life, I'll live my best life. He doesn't do that. But also, he doesn't disrespect him. He doesn't rubbish it or say, your fig tree is demonic, it's misguided, it's rubbish. He says, I can see you're on a search. Let me show you where that search ends. And his name is Jesus. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And you see... All he wants is this guy to meet Jesus. He says, if I can make the introduction, he'll meet Jesus, that'll be enough. Jesus will change his life. Jesus will... I trust Jesus to transform this guy. I'm just gonna tell him, come and see. Now, there's a lot of people on the planet who believe a lot of stuff. And I just wanna try and do something in the room. I hope it'll work, it's a big room. But I wanna try and show us what our planet population looks like at the moment in terms of Christians and non-Christians and unreached people. And so if we take this room, there's about 8,000 of you here, let's say, in this tent. On the planet, there's about 8 billion people. So that means if each one of you represents a million people, then we'll kind of be able to act it out. On the planet, a third of people would call themselves Christians. So that's all you guys over here. Give me a wave. This, this third of the tent. You're the Christians, congratulations. Okay, now that's, that's all kind of Christians. That's Catholic, it's Orthodox. It's anyone who would call themselves a Christian. Write it on a form, I'm a Christian. A third of people on our planet are Christians. Okay, the next third of people on our planet, that's you middle section, give us a wave. Not so happy, are you? The the second third of people on our planet are not Christians. (laughs) Guys. But they live within sound of the gospel. So they, they could meet a Christian in their school or in their town. There's a church in their town. There's a Bible in their language. They could Google something. So they could find out about Jesus if they wanted to. Okay, that's you guys. The final third, you guys over here, give us a wave. The final third are what we would call people who live in unreached spaces. They will probably never meet a Christian in their life. There probably isn't a Bible In their language, there probably isn't a church in their town or even in their country. So, even if they wanted to find out about Jesus, they probably couldn't. That's you guys. Okay? Now, I want to try and break it down just a tiny bit more if I can. Okay? In terms of in the Christian space, just to get a feel for it, um, if each of you represents a million of the Christians in the world, UK Christians are probably about. 25 million. So, Reading Family Church of 25 of you could stand up. That would be the English Church, right? So, in terms of the whole, can you guys over there even see them? In terms of the whole world, the English Church is little, important but little. Okay. Um, King's Church, London, Texas, guys. A hundred of you. Could you stand up? There's probably a hundred million. Chinese Christians in the world. 100 million. These guys are the Chinese church. Okay. Looking very Chinese this morning. Well done. Now, just to give you a feel, if the British church is 25 million, if the Chinese church is 100 million, just to give you a feel, the church in Africa, the African church. 100 million. Okay? All of you guys stand up. In my hands, as far as that door, just stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Make some noise. Make some noise. That's the mighty African church, right? The future of Christianity. Thanks, everyone. You can all sit down. You did that so well. Now, the reason I want to show you that is A, it's a really big world. B, England is a really small place. It's important, Jesus loves England, but it's small. If English Phillips share the Gospel with all of their Nathaniel friends in your school, in your town, in your workplace, all the people you know that are searching for answers, that are listening to Dave and Loyal and Billie Eilish, all the people that have big questions about life, all the people you know that are Buddhists or Hindus or Muslims, if you shared the Gospel... You know, it would be amazing if they came to know Jesus, but it's still only a tiny bit of the world. And most cross-cultural church planting and most money that's given into missions really goes from, from the church into Christianized spaces. Church planting in Europe, church planting in America, church planting in England. That's not bad. You lot need to hear about Jesus. But what about those guys? And so that's why God needs to speak to many of us about targeting our lives to say, I'm going to take my life to get all the way over there, other side of the world, learn another language, bury myself in another culture, try and find Nathaniels on the other side of the world who otherwise will never get a chance to hear about Jesus. Does that make sense? And in a moment in the offering, one of the things that we'll be giving to is church planting in completely unreached spaces. Church planting teams in completely unreached spaces, they go for years. They spend years just trying to learn the language. They spend years just trying to connect with people and make friends. People target their whole life and say, I'm going to give this 30 years, 40 years to try and reach Nathaniels who are sitting under their fig tree in completely unreached spaces. They need our support. They need our prayers. They need our resources. And that's part of what we're going to be giving to in the offering shortly, okay? So we have seen Nathaniel the seeker. We've seen Philip the sharer. And finally, we're going to see Jesus the saviour. You know, my generation, our generation have not done enough, not nearly enough, not nearly enough to make Jesus known in the unreached third of the world. Shame on us. And now it's you guys. The ball's coming to you. you're, You're the future of the church. Where's the energy for the unreached? Where are the people who are saying, God, here I am, send me. Whatever job you do, you might end up being An estate agent, go and be an estate agent in Dubai, that's where all the money is anyway, right? You might end up being a maths teacher, go and be a math teacher in Singapore. You might end up being a politician, go and be a politician on the other side of the world, do you see what I mean? Whatever you do, whoever you end up being, would you think about being that person, doing that thing in unreached spaces? My life dream from when I got saved was always, I wouldn't be interested in a big church in England. I'd be interested in a tiny church in a place where there are no churches. That's how my maths works. How about you? And so let's look at Jesus, the Saviour. Jesus says to Nathaniel, before Philip called you, while you were still under the fig tree, I saw you. I saw you, I saw your search, I saw your heart, I saw your prayers. Jesus doesn't hate other religions. He doesn't despise or rubbish or shut out other religions. He says, I saw you, I noticed you, I valued you, I saw your open heart, I knew your search wasn't enough, it, wasn't, it was misguided, you have to find me, but I saw you, Nathaniel. Remember, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. He can see the Nathaniels that are searching for him. He sees you. You know, Buddhism is a search for enlightenment, but Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Islam is a search for purity, but Jesus said, I'm the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Chinese traditional religions are a search for wisdom, but Jesus is the word of God become flesh. All searches find their answer in Jesus. And in your generation, the search is for what? A faithful friend. Someone who's not going to cancel you even if you mess up badly. Someone who cares as deeply as you do about injustice and brokenness and mess in the world and is going to do something about it. Someone who gets your pain, your darkness, your depression. Someone who knows you in your darkest moments and sees you and loves you. Even in your generation, every search leads to Jesus... And so every search is different, but all searches are fulfilled in him. And Jesus saw Nathanael before Nathanael came and saw Jesus. Jesus says, I saw you before you saw me. I came to you before you came to me. You were seen before you saw. You were known before you know. That's Jesus, the Savior, who comes into the world to seek and save the lost. Amen? Amen. And so guys, we've seen this one verse and we've seen these three characters. We've seen Nathaniel, the seeker. We've seen Philip, the sharer. And we've seen Jesus, the saviour. And now what we're going to do, we're just going to pray a couple of prayers together. The first prayer is the Nathaniel prayer. And that's for those of you who would say, I'm still seeking. I'm sitting under my fig tree. I haven't decided to follow Jesus yet, but I want to move towards him. I want to put my trust in him. I'm starting to believe that Jesus is the one who sees me and that Jesus is the answer. We're going to pray that prayer, and then we're going to pray a Philip prayer, which is basically, here I am, send me. Now, the way we're going to pray, we're going to stand together, please, and we're going to read off the screen together. Okay. Great. So if you can turn your eyes to the screen, and I'm going to ask us, you're going to follow my lead, but with your big New Day voice, we're going to read this prayer together off the screen. Okay? And for some of you, you will have prayed a prayer like this before, many times before. That's okay. For others, this might be the first time that you're praying a prayer like this. That's okay too, okay? But all together... I'd love us to pray. This is the Nathan- This is like what I think Nathaniel would have said to Jesus if he had some bars in him and a little bit of a feel for rhyme. This is what he would have said to Jesus when he came and met Jesus, okay? So all together with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you see me, that you made me, that you want me to be me. Today your words have fallen on my ears quieted my fears, wiped away my tears. Lord, please wash away my sin, take away my pain, make me new within. Lord, today's the day, make me new. I give my life completely to you. Jesus, I believe you died for my life, the good for the bad, your pain, my gain, your hell, my heaven. You've made me for yourself, Lord, and my heart was restless, but now it's found its rest in you. Now let the peace come. Just take a moment, just take a moment to feel the peace of God coming into your heart right now. He sees you. He sees your heart. Let the peace come. You're known, you're valued, you're loved. Over in the venue, he sees you guys. Let the peace come. And now, guys, our our second prayer, our final prayer. This is Philip's prayer, the way I imagine it. Philip, who's saying... Here I am, send me. And this is a moment, and you may have heard what we've been talking about today and all this week, actually. And you're saying, actually, God, here I am, send me. I want to be like Philip. I want to go and introduce people to Jesus. And that could be people in your space, in your life, in your school, in your town, in your community, in your family. But for some of you, it could be that God's putting something in your heart for the other side of the world. It could be that God put something in your heart right now for a specific place, for a specific people. I was in a meeting like this when God spoke very clearly into my heart about moving to Turkey and learning Turkish and living there with my family and planting churches. And that's what we've been doing. And in a space like this, we would expect God to speak and to call. Would you be up for that? Would you be up for God to speak, to shape you, to whisper into your soul. It's the here I am, send me prayer. And that's what we're going to pray together. So again, all together, a lovely loud voice off the screen. Ready? Father, here I am, send me. Jesus, here I am, send me. Holy Spirit, here I am, send me. I wanna go places you've prepared for me to go. I wanna see faces you've prepared for me to know. What language should I learn? What job should I pursue? Which cities should I love? What studies should I do? Spirit, speak. In this moment, speak. Courage, come find me when I'm feeling weak. I've only got one life. I wanna make it count. I place myself into your hands. No one can snatch me out. Spirit, come mend me. Jesus, befriend me. I'm not proud. Bend me. Life not mine. Send me. For your kingdom, come upend me. Put me in your purse and spend me. Even if my friends unfriend me. Long before old age will end me. Here I am, Lord, here I am, Lord, here I am, Lord, come send me. Now let the fire come. Right now. Right now, just in this moment, brief moment, feel the spirit of God putting fire in your heart. For some of you, Right now, he's bringing people to mind that you know, a friend that you need to text, someone you know that you need to reach out to, someone in pain that you need to go and spend time with after New Day. Right now, hey, Phillips, he's putting Nathaniels in your mind, someone at school you'd never talked to before, but you've noticed them. He's putting places in your hearts right now, other towns, other neighbourhoods, maybe other parts of the world. For some of you, he's speaking right now about what job you might do. He's showing, there's this special moment right now in the spirit where he's showing you a glimpse of your future and of the great plans that he's got to use you in his great plan to reach all peoples in the world with the love of Jesus Christ. So stand in that moment and God bless you.